Thank you for listening to Overcomers Church International Weekly Message. We pray that you are encouraged and strengthened as you hear the Word of God. As far as meeting and worshiping and the preaching of the Word, we'll make adjustments, but at some point we will come back together. And there's not going to be any, uh, any government, there's not going to be any disease, no plague that is going to keep us apart. At some point, things will get back to a normal but the thing is, is that there's been a, and we've talked about this a lot, there's been a great shaking, and there's still a shaking that's happening. We have a shaking that's happening politically in our country, and praise God for it. We need things to be shaken up. And so we also have a shaking uh, in, in families, and we need families to be shaken up. It's, it's really the backbone of what happens in our country is what's happening in the families, and the families need to be shaken up. And I believe God's bringing tremendous restoration during this time. But there's also a shaking that's happening in the church. In this hour, there's a shaking that's happening in the church. And so many pastors like myself realize that it took almost nothing for us to shut our doors. And we've made adjustments, and I'm not saying we were wrong for doing that. For us, the decision was we needed to stay in honor. We're not scared of the coronavirus, but we needed to stay in honor and we needed to use wisdom. But either way, that there is, there is a shaking that's happening. And what's going to happen on the, other sh- on the other side of the shaking is an awakening. I believe this with everything in me. I had, um, I guess you could call it an encounter for a couple of hours this morning with the Lord to where he was just... He was just downloading things. He was making things come alive in my heart, stronger and greater than they ever have. And so I've got some things to minister to you from that this morning. But one of those things that I saw was that there is coming an end-time revival, if you want to call it. And it's not God that's withholding. It's just people that are learning to cooperate with what God is already wanting to do. And also, there are times and seasons that God has placed within his authority. And every, and I believe it's accurate, every generation should be looking and have more earnest expectation that the return of Jesus is soon. Because when you look in the Bible and you realize it was written 2,000 years ago, roughly, and they were saying, be watchful, be looking for the return of the Lord is near, yet it still hasn't come 2,000 years later, we really don't know what near is. <laughs> we're not really sure when it's going to happen, but we do know this, that Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24 that there would be things that would happen and they would be birth pangs. And it wouldn't be the end yet, but it would be a sign that the end is, end is near. And from everything that I can tell, we are getting closer and closer to the end. And what that means, and I believe this with everything in me, because Jesus also said this in Matthew 24, he said, this gospel of the kingdom will be preached and then the end will come. And it will be preached to the ends of the earth is what I firmly believe. And I've heard it prophesied for years that there will be a billion soul harvest. I'm going to be the first to tell you that I am believing for a billion soul harvest. And we've heard these things about another great awakening that's going to happen in our country. And I believe that there is another great awakening that's going to happen in our country. But before it happens with the lost people, it needs to happen in the church. There needs to be an awakening that comes on the heels of this shaking. There needs to be an awakening in the hearts and the minds and the lives of people, of the, of the ones that are called out from among the world, that are called out by God. We've been separated unto him. And unto the work that he's called us, we need to have an awakening of who we are and what God has really called us to. And the church has been lulled to sleep, and I'm going to try to be nice as I say this, but it's been lulled to sleep for decades through religious stuff, through things that are going on in the church that are not of God. And so I'll be the first one to say, Lord, anything that's not of you that I'm doing, I want it completely removed, completely out of the way. I only want a, a pure Church, I only want to pastor a church that's purely 100% devoted to him in its goals, in its mission, in its aim, in the territory that it's been uh, chosen and called to take. I only want all of that to be right in line with what God has told us to do. I want to be so connected with the Holy Ghost that we're doing exactly what the Lord has called us to do. So on the heels of the shaking, there needs to be an awakening. There needs to be a peeling back of the curtain 
to where we see not only what the Lord wants to do in the future, but what he has already done and what he's already given us. I personally believe that much of what has to be revealed, what, what, what needs to be made known is not about what God's going to do, but it's about what God has already done. There is a glory that is in the saints that is so much greater than what anybody, I believe anybody on the earth currently has comprehension of. I believe that there are so many things that happen and are happening in the spirit that we are totally unaware of that the Lord is going to peel back the curtains and begin to show us and reveal to us not only what he's doing, but who we really are. It says that Jesus was the firstborn among many brethren. And who were the brethren that would be born after him? It's you and I. We've been born into the family of God. We've been born into his his kingdom as sons and daughters. We've been born into his likeness and into his image. We carry his spiritual DNA. So the same way that you've seen Jesus walk and talk and the authority that he had and the glory that he carried, the glory that manifested, God has placed that same measure on the inside of us. And Jesus prophesied that not only would we do the things that he did, but we would do even greater things than what he did. Folks, I'm telling you, there's a greater level of, of glory. There's a greater measure of glory that is going to happen. And I will preach this. And if I preach this until I'm however old and I'm old and gray and, I'm, and I die and I still don't see it come to pass, my very last breath will be about an ever-increasing glory and about awakening that is happening, that's going to happen in the church to where the, the curtains are peeled back and we see what God has really done. And I'm not just preaching to you, I'm preaching to myself. I'm revealing things to me. I'm saying, God, help me see all of what you really say about me. Because when I read in the scriptures and I read what could be, I say, Lord, that's not what I'm seeing in my life, but I'm willing to lay myself down. I'm willing to lay my religious ideologies down. I'm willing, I'm willing to lay down what I think is right, what I think church should look like, what I think the body of Christ should look like. I'm willing to lay down my giftings and my ideals, and I'm willing to pick up whatever it is that you say I need to pick up. And for me, I have a mantle on me to bring about and usher in a greater level of glory for the church for this hour, for this day. That mantle is on me to do that. And I really can't tell you how to do it other than just to stay focused and tuned in and listening to God. But there has to be a hope on the inside of us. There has to be something that says that there's more, there's greater. And I believe this is what the earth is doing as we're seeing these things that are taking place. And it doesn't understand what it's doing. The people don't even know what they're doing. But the body of Christ needs to be awakened to know what God is doing in the hour, but also what he has placed on the inside of us. And when we see all of the, the birth pangs, and I just think about a contraction, just like a woman is, is going to birth a baby, I just see that the, there's contractions in the earth because the, the, the earth is yearning. It's time. The time is at hand for us to realize what God is doing in this hour and to begin to cooperate with him. And I'm going to retract a statement that I've said several times, and, and it wasn't wrong, but it wasn't 100% complete. And this is what I said, that the earth is yearning for the return of the king, and I believe that that is accurate. I believe that there needs to come right order. There needs to, to have things set properly in place, and Jesus is the only one that can do that. He's the only one that can do that. As a matter of fact, this is what I found, and the Lord revealed this to me recently. That when it comes to the Antichrist and, you know, the one world government, and we've heard all of these things in a one world religion, do you know that that is actually God's plan to have a one world government and a one world religion? It's just that Satan has perverted it, and the Lord has looked into the future and said that there's going to be a perversion that's going to come through the Antichrist that's, uh, that's against and it works in an opposite spirit, but it's trying to look like the real one world government and one world religion that's going to come through the one Jesus Christ. There needs to be order set back in the earth. And you say, man, is that going to happen? I don't, yeah, it's going to happen. I don't know when, but we have a rock in Christ Jesus. We have something, that, we have the one to hang on to. We don't have to worry about anything. And I hear all these conversations and I've had many of them myself about, is it pre-trib? Is it mid-trib? Is it post-trib? Is there a rapture at all? Is it just a second coming? To be honest with you, as long as I'm connected up with Jesus, 
it doesn't matter to me. I'm a pan-millennialist. I believe it will all pan out. God's got this thing. We have nothing to worry about, amen? But I've made this statement that the earth is waiting and is longing for the return of the king. But I actually, what it's yearning for is it's yearning for the unveiling, for the revealing of the glorious sons and daughters to take their place. And I'm going to show you this from the word. Romans chapter 8 and verse 18. Romans 8 and 18. For time's sake, I'm just going to read it as you're flipping there. But it says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So this is talking about a coming glory, a glory that's going to come. In verse 19, it says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. See, it doesn't say that it's, it's waiting for the revealing of God or Jesus, although I believe ultimately it is. But really what it's saying is it's waiting for the revealing of God in us, of the glory of God in us, of Jesus in us. Hallelujah. That's what it's waiting for. The Passion Translation says that it's standing on tiptoe, that creation is standing on tiptoe, eagerly awaiting the revealing of the sons and daughters. You know what this earth needs more than anything? At this point, more than Jesus to return, because I hear people sing, and I, you know, I hear these songs, oh, when Jesus comes, Lord Jesus, come quickly, or however they're sung. I can't do it, whatever. There's a bunch of songs written like that. You know what we need to be singing? O oh, church, awaken. O oh, church, rise up. O oh, church, become who you're supposed to be. O oh, church, recognize the call, the mantle, the anointing, the position, the placement, where you're seated at. Come into an awakening so that you can begin to function and operate and do what God's called you to do in the earth. I'm telling you now, I'm pre this, is, this is the right message. This is the message of the hour. The awakening isn't going to be, I believe the end result is going to be a billion soul harvest. But before we, we see a billion soul harvest, we're going to see an awakening of the church. Because the reality is, is that the people that are going to lead and disciple the world into it has to be the church. How can the church do something that she's not ready for? We still have a large percentage of the body of Christ. And for any of my pastor friends that would watch this, I love you dearly. And I just will be so gracious to help you see what God's shown me. <laughs> Everything's live now, so it takes on, and we're going outside these four walls, it takes on a different thing. And I want to be kind and gracious. But for all of, all of my friends and for anybody that would be watching that are in ministry that don't see things quite like I do, just be patient and you'll see that I'm right. Amen? No, I'm just kind of kidding. But one of the things that the church has totally thrown off is the, the work and in the ministry of the Holy Spirit. How can we possibly do what Jesus did without the fullness of the Holy Spirit functioning in our life? And you say, well, I have the fullness of the Holy Spirit. Do you? Do, do you believe in the nine gifts of the Holy Spirit that are listed in 1 Corinthians chapter 12? Do you believe that those, there is a cessation of those gifts as some people teach and that they're not supposed to be in operation today? Do you believe in the fivefold ministry? Do you believe in the gift of tongues and the interpretation of tongues? Do you believe in those things? Do you believe what happened on the day of Pentecost was not only for them, but also for us today? And if the answer isn't just a simple yes, you need to go back to the Bible. And in Jesus' name, God's going to give you revelation, help you understand it. And for me too, I don't understand it all. If I did, I'd be operating at a higher level. But you know what the enemy would do? is he would try to get ministers to stop saying what's truth just because they don't understand all of it. I still preach salvation. Do you think I understand all about salvation? No way. There is so much wrapped in the salvation package. We'll be mining that thing out for the rest of our lives. But yeah, we believe it. It's because the word tells us it's true. You don't have to understand everything to believe it. But choosing to look at it and say, God, there's something there. I choose to believe it. Then that's when understanding starts to come to you. That's when understanding starts to come to us. I'm going to talk more about that in just one moment. Look here in verse 20. It says, For the creation was sub sub subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope, 
because of the creation itself also will be delivered from the bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of what? Of the children of God. There is a liberty that we have in Christ Jesus, that we have in God the Father, but the the liberty, the freedom actually is found in us. And you say, well, that just sounds prideful. No, it's confidence and it's a recognition, it's an awareness, and it's being awakened to the position that you currently are in Christ, that we're seated with him. This is why Peter and John, when in, in, in Acts chapter uh, 4, I believe it was, at the beginning of Acts chapter 4, where they were at the gate beautiful, and there was a man that was lame there. And they, he was asking for money. And they said, silver and gold, we don't have. And it didn't mean that they were poor. It just meant that they left their wallets at home. Amen. <laughs> Praise God. Some people take that and go, see, the disciples were poor. We're supposed to be poor. Hogwash. We should have loads of money to give into the kingdom of God and bless people and all that kind of stuff. They just left their wallets at home. So in, in, the, in the modern day Kent version is, sorry, I forgot my billfold. <laughs> but then they turned to him and they said, but such as I have, I give to you. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. You notice that they didn't stop there and go, oh, Jesus, this man needs a healing. He needs, now that might've been a good place to start to say, God, this guy's gotta have something, probably a right heart, but they didn't just wait on God to do something. They said, in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Why? Because they knew who they were, who they belonged to, the authority that they carried because they knew their position that they had with the Lord. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. There's coming a day when that is going to be normal. And we're already seeing signs of it happen in the earth. It's going to become more normal. We're going to have more of that happen. And see, when I talk about these things, sometimes people, they just look at me like, that's crazy. How do you think that they, how do you think they thought about Jesus? (laughs) And he's supposed to be our example for a Christian. Jesus, I love what Bill Johnson says. He says that Jesus was the most normal example of what a Christian should look like. And when I see Christians walking around today, they're weak, they're powerless, they don't see any miracles, they don't preach with authority, they've got no backbone, all of that kind of stuff. That wasn't Jesus. Jesus didn't walk like, well, we're not Jesus. Tell Peter and John that. And they knew that they weren't Jesus, but they knew that they had the same stuff that Jesus had. How did they know that? Because they were born into the same family and had the same DNA running through their veins. (sighs) Man, that's awesome. When I go, (sighs) that means I don't have words for what's going on on the inside of me. Thank you, Jesus. Man, that's awesome. Let me continue reading here. So verse 22, it says, For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. And again, why is it groaning? Because it's waiting for the unveiling, the releasing. Let me read this quickly from the Passion Translation because I love how it says back in the first verse I read, which was verse 18. I felt like the Lord really said to take some time and just camp on this for a little bit this morning. Because sometimes I get fired up. I'm telling you now, I'm fired up on the inside right now. I'm just, I'm holding back. Because <laughs> I think sometimes we get going so fast, I get going so fast, that we don't stop and just, have you say that Selah or Selah, as it will say in the Psalms, it will make a profound statement. And then you just stop and listen and let God go. That's right what he's saying. That's right what you just read. And what's awesome is when you can read it straight from the, the scriptures, and I don't have to convince anybody. Well, I still have to try to work to convince people that the scriptures are true. You know, that's one of the things, and I don't want to get ahead of myself, but is, is lodged in me. I gave somebody a word recently, and it, and it helped me. The Lord, the Lord showed me something, and she might even be watching right now, that there was something, a revelation that was lodged in her, that the Holy Spirit lodged in her. And it was just like, it was in a good way, just stuck. And when I said that, the Lord began to show me things in a good way that were stuck in me. And one of the things that stuck in me is that what the word says, I just can't read it and go, oh, well, you know, we're in a different day. I read it and it ruins me. I am t- when I read the word of God, I'm, I'm, it messes me up in a good way. 
I can't just read it and go, well, they had the miracles back then, but today we're going to die sick and poor. Well, I can't do that stuff. I look at that and I go, God, if they had it, I want it too. I want to walk in that same power. I want to walk in that same anointing. I'm a disciple of Jesus. I'm a, I'm a learner of Jesus. I want the same stuff working in my life and my day for the people you've called me to. You know what the Lord spoke to me recently? He said, this, and I've got it written in my office, this is your time. This is your day. And the Lord said, what are you going to do with it, Kent? What are you going to do with your time and your day? I was born March the 23rd, 1982. The Lord knew I was going to be born that day at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. He knew I would be born that day. And he knows how many years I'm going to live, which I'm going to live really old because he's promised me long life. But he left up from birth to death whether I'm going to cooperate with him or not. And it's the same for you. This is your time. This is your day. God's given you this time. He's given you this day. Don't look to all of the, the things how, it's, how it used to be. We're coming into a new era, into a new time. There's a shaking that's happening. And there's an awakening that's happening in the church. And the Lord's saying, son, daughter, will you allow me to awaken your heart and your eyes to be opened to where you can see all of the glory, the wonder, the splendor, the riches that you spiritually have in me? Will you allow God to do that? Will you stop sitting on the outside and looking at all the other people that are so hyped up and excited and jazzed up as some? I had a lady one time, bless her heart, I had a revelation of the righteousness I had in Christ Jesus. And I was like, wow, I'm righteous. And she was like, yeah, he's pretty jazzed up. And it was like, I was like, whoa, wait a second, jump in the river with me, baby. This is amazing. This is awesome. And I encourage you, get in the walk of faith. Get in the stream of faith with me. Jump in with me. And you say, well, I just don't know. You know what? I'd rather die in faith believing God, believing that there's more and greater, a greater unveiling that God wants to do through me than to die not believing that. I'm going to take this to my grave that God has more to be unveiled to where my eyes are opened up. And as my eyes are opened up, I'm going to manifest outwardly more that God has for people around me. Let me read this again one more time quickly in the Passion Translation. He says that I'm convinced, and this is Romans 8.18, and I'm convinced that any suffering we endure is less than nothing compared to the magnitude of the glory that is about to be unveiled within us. The entire universe is standing on tiptoe, yearning to see the unveiling of God's glorious sons and daughters. Hallelujah. And to give you just a little bit more, I want to go a little bit, a little bit deeper with this. And the reality is, is that there are things going on in the spirit right now. So much going on in the spirit right now that we have no clue of. Lest our eyes be opened up to it. And I'm talking about our spiritual eyes because people are like, I'm looking, I don't see it. You have to look with the eyes of your heart. Your heart, which is kind of like your spiritual understanding. Your heart has ears, it has eyes, and it also has a brain, if you will. It has a mind to where you can know, you can see, and you can hear the things of the Spirit. You can know, you can see, you can hear the things of the Spirit. And if you say, well, I'm already doing that. I, I, I read my Bible every morning for 20 minutes. Do you have any power in your life? Do you have any power in your life? Because if you don't have any power in your life, you're missing some things that God wants to reveal to you. There is so much more in the Spirit that God has for us. If you go and look at 1 John, and I had it pulled up, and during worship, the Lord reminded me of this. 1 John chapter 1, here it is. And this is in verse 51. And Jesus was speaking to Nathanael, who was at this moment becoming his disciple. And he, speaking of Jesus, said to him, Nathanael, most assuredly, I say to you, hereafter you shall see heaven open and the angels of God 
ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Think about that. You'll see angels ascending and descending upon the Son of Man. Now, Jesus didn't say, (laughs) he didn't say the only time angels are ascending and descending is when you see them. Sometimes we don't think things are happening or things have happened unless we can see it, unless we can see it with our own eyes, understand it with our brain. Folks, there is so much happening in the spirit. You realize that everything that in the natural was created by the spirit, the spirit realm, if you will, God's heavenly realm, because I'm not trying to sound mystical or anything, but God's heavenly realm, the spiritual realm, created everything that's in the natural realm. What feels the most real to you and I, and I right now, what we can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel with our five senses, and there's nothing wrong with our five senses. God gave us our five senses. They're for us to enjoy, partake of, and live life here on this earth. That's no problem. But you have to understand something, that what you can see, taste, hear, smell, and feel with your five senses is less real than what is true in the spirit. It's less real than what's happening in the spirit. This is why Jesus told Nathaniel, I'm gonna open up your eyes and your eyes are going to see. And I think he might've even physically seen it with his eyes, but at the very least, with the eyes of his spirit, he was able to see angels ascending and descending. Why would angels be going back and forth? Because Jesus was about the father's business. And the father had messengers. He had angels that worked with Jesus so that God's business would be taken care of. Whoa. You say, I want angels to work with me. Listen, angels, they're not just like your personal guardian to make sure you don't trip on the sidewalk. That's that's not why God gave angels. God gave angels to accomplish, to help you accomplish the work that God's called you to. So if we want angels to be working on our behalf, we need to step back and go, God, am I really about your business? Am I really about your kingdom? Or am I just about my own business? Am I about my own kingdom? Oh, I'm telling you, there's a shift happening in some of you right now as you're hearing this. This message wasn't for all of the other people that didn't watch it. And you might be listening going, man, I need to share this with so-and-so. Do that. That could be the Lord wanting to get this to them and they'll get ministered to by it. But I'm telling you, this is for you right now. There is a shift that's happening in some of you to where you're seeing there's some things I need to lay down. And it may not be some big gross sin. Because see, that's one of the things is that people will be in a service and and the guy could be me. We say, let's lay some things down at the altar. And they're thinking, okay, um, I quit smoking. I quit drinking. um, I quit doing pretty much all the bad stuff I can think of. I'm good. (laughs) Praise God for that. But there is further that the Lord wants to take us. And a lot of it just has to do with our will. Because we can get busy doing good stuff that's not really God's stuff. Hallelujah. Sometimes we can get so busy with our business, with going to work, with taking care of our family. All good stuff. I'm for all of that. I've prophesied those things into people's lives and prayed over them for it and believed God with them about those things. But there's not anything that compares to what God is saying to you right now. And so if we can have our eyes opened up, there could, we can have the, the curtain unveiled to where we can start to see some things. It's going to really help us. Let me show you some more from the word. And actually during worship, Aubrey uh, shared this verse, and I was so glad she did. She just prayed it out. She sung it out. This is Ephesians chapter 1. Ephesians chapter 1. I love this verse. Ephesians chapter 1. And we're going to go to verse, we'll just start at verse 15. And actually, if we go back and we look at verse 3, it says that he has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in heavenly places. It's a done deal. God's already completely blessed us 100% with everything that we will ever need spiritually from heaven. It's a done deal. He's already given it to us. So then if, and then he talks about a little bit more of what God's given, and then he starts this prayer and he begins to pray over them about what he just told them concerning what God had already given them through Christ. 
Verse 15, it says, Therefore I also, after I heard of your faith and the Lord Jesus and your love for all the saints, do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. Let me read the next verse, and I'm going to come back to that one. Verse 18, it says, The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his glory and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. So he's saying that your eyes would be opened up. What eyes? Your physical eyes? Probably everybody watching this has physical eyes. Well, you wouldn't be watching if you didn't have physical eyes, right? Everybody watching this has physical eyes. He's not talking about your physical eyes. He's talking about the eyes of your spirit. So let me, let me do some deductive reasoning with you. If he's praying that their eyes would be open, is it reasonable to think that their eyes might have been closed? So let me do some more reasoning. If I pray that your eyes would be opened, is it reasonable to think that your eyes could be closed? And the answer emphatically is yes. We cannot, it's possible for us to not have our eyes opened up concerning things that are going on in the spirit. God doesn't want that. He doesn't want us to be blinded. But see, Jesus, he has hidden things in plain sight for us. That's basically the conclusion that I've come to. He's hidden them in plain sight for us. Someone who's intellectual that would read the Bible, they go, well, I just, you know, it doesn't make any sense and whatever. You could have the most plain Jane, you know, good old boy that can read the Bible just barely read the Bible and get the most incredible revelation out of it. Why? Because the good old boy wasn't trying to use his mind. He was using his heart. And as Jesus told us in Mark chapter 4 and Matthew chapter 13, the parable of the sower, that he has, he has hidden these things and he's hidden them away from the people that would just look with their mind and try to read, read it. But he's revealed them to us. Who are us? We're the ones that have a heart toward him that reverence him, that fear him, that are following him, those things become illuminated and enlightened to us. You say, well, I don't feel like I'm getting any illumination. Then that might tell you what your focus is on. It could tell you what you're really paying attention, attention to and where your heart is really at. You say, well, I'm not, I'm not a, I don't have an evil heart. You probably don't have an evil heart. You're not looking to go around hurting anybody, but are you really sold out to the Lord? Because part of the shaking needs to cause people to go, wait a second, what's going on? To where we start to reach and grasp for the one. And then when we do, we find a life, we find a connection with him. And when you, it's, like, it's like when you get connected with the Lord and an awakening happens. It's kind of like when we came into this room this morning. We turned on the lights. And there was, in a sense, there was an awakening. And a light began to shine in the areas of darkness. Jesus is light. He's life. He's all kinds of things, but he is light. And when we get connected up with him in a deeper level, all of a sudden our eyes start to get opened up. And then people will go, you know what? Pastor Kent's been talking about for the last year. He actually isn't crazy. He's seeing some things in the word and he's seeing some things in the spirit that are true that I just hadn't seen before. There's people that I used to look at, uh, ministers who operated in great miracle ministries and all kinds of things. I'd look at them and go, ah, just almost with skepticism. And then when I got into the scriptures myself, because it all comes back to the word. But you can't understand the word unless the spirit of God reveal it to you. And he can't reveal it to you unless your heart is postured for him to open things up and reveal it to you. This is all about connection and personal relationship with Jesus. It's amazing. Everything in life always comes back to personal relationship with Jesus. <laughs> Something's not right in your marriage, get connected up with Jesus. Something's not right in your body, get connected up with Jesus. Something's not right in your finances, get connected up with Jesus. And you know what I've found is if you stay connected with him, all that other stuff just works itself out. This is why he says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And in context, all the other things, the stuff of life, they'll all be added unto you. You don't even have to go and hardly pray about anything. You could just get connected up with Jesus and it just works out. Why? Because he's the power source. He's the light. He's the life. 
in every area of darkness or bondage or hindrance or sickness or whatever, you get close enough to him and that stuff just evaporates and will have no power in your life anymore. Hallelujah. Man, that's awesome. Let me go back and look here quickly at verse 17. And it says, or in verse 15, excuse me. I already read verse 15, didn't I? Verse 17, it says that God, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, now listen, hang with me for a couple more minutes and I'm gonna quit. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give to you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. I need to tell you what this word revelation means and I wrote it down here so I could uh, pronounce it correctly. And it's the word apocalypsis. And I know I said that in perfect Greek. You can go and check it out yourself later. I said it, perfect. And it's where we get the word apocalypse from. And it's also the word for the book of Revelation when it talks about the revelation. This is the revelation of Jesus Christ. John, or John wrote in Revelation chapter one, verse one, two, somewhere around there. So it's the word apocalypsis. And here's what it means. Now listen to me. This is so very important. This is what God, actually this right here, this nugget I'm getting ready to give you is the main thing that God downloaded to me this morning. It just, boom, just came to me. Honestly, I had, all, I had a, a mess of notes and went to bed last night and I was like, God, you got this. And I woke up and he just started downloading things to me. Hallelujah. The word apocalypsis, we should just say apocalypse, it'd be easier. Here's what it means. It means an unveiling. It means being brought out into the open but it also means a full disclosure. And when I, when I read that as part of the definition of this word, talking about revelation, so when you see here that he's giving you a spirit of wisdom and revelation, he's giving you, and Paul's praying that you would have, and it's not just that God would give, but it's that we would posture ourselves to go, Lord, I want, I want to have my eyes, my spiritual eyes opened up to see this. I wanna see it, God. I don't wanna be in darkness anymore. I want to see what you're saying. It says that he would give you a spirit of wisdom and full disclosure and the knowledge of him. You know what disclosure is? I think about if you go to buy a house. And when you go to buy a house, that seller will give you a disclosure form. And in that disclosure form, they will tell you everything, if they're honest, they will tell you everything they possibly can that is wrong with the house so you know when you're getting that house, when you're buying it, everything, every detail that is in that house, that is full disclosure. Can you see where I'm going with this? He's saying that our eyes would be opened up, that we would have a spirit of wisdom and full disclosure in the knowledge of him. So what he's saying is that your eyes would be opened up that there wouldn't be anything hidden at all. Everything that's placed on the inside of you that you have in him. Because remember Colossians chapter two, verse eight and nine, it says, and you are complete in him. And everything, all the fullness of the Godhead bodily is in him and you are in him and he is in you. You are one with him. What he has, you have. You're a joint heir. You're a co-heir. Everything that Jesus has, you have as well. And he's saying, I pray that you would know that your eyes would be opened, that you would have full disclosure of everything that you have in Christ Jesus. Oh my gosh. That is so awesome. So incredible. I want to quit, but I want to show you one more verse. This is really important. You say, well, I just don't know how to do that or what that looks like. So let me give you just a, a tidbit more. And I have a lot more I wanted to share, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to finish it up next week, okay? So 1 Corinthians chapter 3, excuse me, chapter 2, 1 Corinthians chapter 2. Let me show you this. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read somewhat fast here just to get this across. And there, then we're going to quit. Verse 6 of 1 Corinthians chapter 2. It says, however, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of this age, nor the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing. How would he have wisdom that's not of this age, that's not of this world? How would he have that? Because he's connected up. The Apostle Paul was connected up with Jesus. 
I'm thinking about saying something, but I think it would be so radical, I don't know that people could handle it. I'm just going to say it. I always do that. It's just, it's so radical. Now, before I say it, let me say something. Everything that's in here is 100% true. It's infallible. It's inerrant. There's nothing greater. There's no higher authority than the word of God. Everything from Genesis to maps, amen. Everything that's in here is 100% God's word. Nothing should be added to it and nothing should be taken away from it. But do you realize that the apostle Paul on the road to Damascus <laughs> had an encounter with Jesus himself and Jesus revealed, gave the revelation of the gospel to him in person. So everything that Paul says, it's 100% true. It's 100% accurate. He was the one that God used to describe what Jesus did. Paul gave explanation to what Jesus did. Is it possible that you could have a road to Damascus experience? Now, please don't go about killing Christians, amen? Leave that part out. But is it possible that you could encounter God to where your eyes are opened up and you see things that are going on, you see truths, you see realities? And I say yes in Jesus' name. More of that is coming. You can find it all through the word, all through the word. I think John phrased it like on the Lord's day, I was taken up, I was caught up. He became in a trance, and that's where the book of Revelation was written. There was all kinds of things that happened in the spirit that we don't see happen on a normal basis today. And I'm telling you, the glory of the latter house will be greater than the glory of the former. Now, we're not going to go and write new parts of the Bible. The Bible is full, complete, 100%. Everything that's here, that's canonized here in the Bible, nothing should be added to it. But what I am saying is that the same spirit that worked with them to bring revelation to them also wants to work with us to bring revelation to us. Who's to say that you shouldn't be driving down the road? Supernaturally, the Lord takes over your car. I could see somebody being like, I was caught up in a trance and I wrecked. It wasn't a trance then because God wouldn't wreck your car, amen? But you could be driving down the road or you could be mowing the grass or let's, something less dangerous, Kent. Okay, how about laying in bed? That's very safe. You could be laying in bed and all of a sudden the Lord will begin to open and unfold things to you. I remember hearing about Mike Bickle one time about how he had this this, and I think it happened to him more than once, he had literally to his physical eyes, he had like a movie screen playing before his eyes. And people hear that and they go, wow, that's just, wow. You know what? Instead of being just wowed, we should be wowed and then say, God, why not me? What do I need to do to position myself to have revelation from you into my life that you can speak those kind of things to me as well? I want to be used by you, God. I want to advance your kingdom. I don't want to be in the darkness. I want to know things from you, God. And look here, it says, however, we speak the wisdom among those who are mature, not the wisdom of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are coming to nothing, but we speak the wisdom of God and the mystery, the hidden wisdom of God, ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. Oh, this is hope for the day that we live in. Oh, the evil people that are plotting a bunch of evil stuff. The Bible says in Psalm chapter 2 and verse 2 that he who sits in the heaven, heavens laughs because the writer says, Lord, why do the nations rage? Why do the, why do the evil people plot vain things and wicked things? And it says that he who sits in the heavens laughs because you know what's going on with the coronavirus and with all the political stuff? And folks, I'm not, I'm not going to get into things that I believe on camera, but I'm going to tell you there's some wacko stuff that's happening right now. Beyond the coronavirus. But you know what? He who sits in the heavens laughs. <laughs> Satan's made his plans and schemes through, through unlearned men scripturally and through wicked men who, who disdain God. But he who sits in the heavens shall have the last laugh. For God has this thing. We don't have anything to worry about. 
And if they had known the realities, the truths, the revelations from the word that you and I in Jesus' name, we know. We know these things. We know who we are. We know this is our time. This is our day. God's place is here. He knew we were going to be born for this time. If they had known what we know, they wouldn't be doing some of the goofy stuff that they're doing right now. Because all they're going to do is they're going to force the church to be shaken. And then this great awakening is going to happen. Eyes are going to be opened up. You say, how do you know this? Because I know it since I first got filled with the Holy Ghost when I was 18 years old. I've known it in my knower, and I know it that I know 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 that we are on the verge of something so unbelievable in this country. Unbelievable in this world. God doesn't just care about America. He cares about the world, the people of the world. We're on the brink of something so amazing. I, I'm telling you, I'm, I'm so excited right now. I, could, I went from going, Lord, I don't know what I'm going to preach. I could preach for four more hours right now. I have so much inside of me. I'm going to quit at noon because last week we went past and people jumped off, so I'm going to quit at noon. I know people's backsides can only take so long. Man, when the anointing is flowing through you, it's really hard to get it off. Have mercy on me. You say, well, pastor, I, I just think that we should just do things. Stop thinking about things you don't know anything about. I was a little harsh. I didn't mean it quite like that. But actually, I did mean it like that. Listen, we've got to stop doing things like everybody else does them. And like the enemy has had the, the, the church trapped in this mold for so long. At what point will we relinquish our ideals to come into a service together that when the power of God drops, when the power of God rises up, when amazing things are happening and miracles are breaking out and things are going to happen and things are happening, at what point will we say, I don't care about the lasagna in the oven anymore? Uh, let me give my friends a call and tell them I'm not coming because God showed up and God's doing something. But the church for too long has been, has been led into idolatry. Now I'm preaching hard. It's been led into idolatry in their services to where it's got to look this way and it's got to fit in this form and it's gotten into man-pleasing. I don't care if people are pleased with me. I only care that God's pleased with me. I care more about what God says than what people say. And then I have to reel myself back in just a little sometimes and go, it's going to be okay. I'll try to end by 12 o'clock. I love you and I appreciate. But the, the raging fire inferno of God on the inside of me is just like, and I don't want to stop. Hallelujah. Listen to this. So listen, listen, listen. Verse 8, it says, Which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen, nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. God's prepared things for those who love him. Do you love God? If you don't love God, they're not prepared for you. If you love God, they're prepared for you. Verse 10. Even though eye has not seen and ear has not heard, verse 10 brings it all around. But God has revealed them to us through his spirit. For the spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of a man except the spirit of a man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except for the spirit of God. By the way, that spirit lives on the inside of you, knows everything about God, and can reveal everything about God to you because he's on the inside of you. Now we have received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know, that we might know, that we might know, that we might know, that we might have revelation, that we might have full disclosure, that we might have an unveiling of the things that have been freely given to us by God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Wow. That is so powerful. I have to quit. I have so much more in me, but I know I got to quit. Because we're not to that point. And plus, it's on camera. It's different. When we're here, it's like all y'all bring your, the glory, the measure of glory that you have in you, which is the fullness. But the measure that you are manifesting in you, when it comes here, it lights the whole place up. <laughs> when we meet in grace groups, the measure of glory you have manifesting in your life, it lights that home up that night. Because there is something so great on the inside of you. And this is my point. Let me just say this last thing. This is my point with this. This is why Paul prayed this. This is why he talked about the eyes of their understanding being opened to where they would know, they would see, they would hear the things that are in the spirit, to hear what God says, to hear what the spirit of God is saying in the day and the hour that we live in. 
but also to hear what the word says, what the spirit would reveal from the word about who you are and what God's given you, how precious you are to him, how valuable you are to him. Oh my God, you're so valuable to him. You are his workmanship. You know what workmanship speaks of? It speaks of value. He, he made you. He fashioned you. The great artist. The greatest craftsman. The almighty one. He made you personally. He's greater than Vincent Van Gogh and Claude Monet and Michelangelo and Leonardo and Donatello and Raphael and all those other Ninja Turtles. You know what I'm talking about, the artist guys. The turtles were named after the artist guys. He's greater than all of them. And he made you. How valuable are you? My God, how valuable are you? Who made the, the Mona Lisa? Is it Michelangelo? Leonardo? <laughs> da Vinci. Leonardo da Vinci. Not DiCaprio. I always get them mixed up. Leonardo da Vinci. He made Mo the Mona Lisa. And the price of that Mona Lisa is invaluable. I mean, I'm sure they could put a price tag on it, but it would probably be hundreds of millions of dollars. Do you realize that Leonardo da Vinci got all of his mad skills from God? All of his stuff that he got to make that, to make it so valuable, and all the other things he did that was so valuable, all that came from God, and God made you. You are God's workmanship. You are his masterpiece. You are the one that says, you are so valuable to me. And you're created in Christ Jesus to do good works. When someone understands their value, they do good works because of their value instead of trying to gain value through their good works. Whoa. Your value in the Lord and your revelation of the value will cause you to do good works for him. Instead of trying to get into a place of doing good works to try to gain value, you can't be any more valuable than you are right now. So I'm going to pray for you and bless you. Father, I love you. I, I thank you. And bless these saints. I thank you that they are faithful. God, they're faithful in their giving. They're faithful with their time. They're faithful with their family. But more than anything, they are faithful to you. The one who's called them into the secret place to reveal the secrets that you have for them. To reveal the hidden things, the things that are a mystery. They're not a mystery to them because they know you. They love you. They have placement with you. God, I just bless them. I thank you that we go out of this place and they turn the, the thing off today supernaturally, abundantly, beyond measure, blessed. They take this word, they soak on it, they think on it, they meditate on it. And I thank you that the spirit of God makes it come alive in the name of Jesus, amen. Love you, bless you, and we will see you soon. Thank you for listening to the weekly message. To find out more about Overcomers Church International and to hear more messages like this one, please visit our website at ociperryville.com.